0: Acts chapter six uh this morning please if you have your Bible Acts of the Apostles and Chapter six and commencing to read at verse one and then we're going over into chapter seven for a few, few verses there. Acts chapter six and commencing to read please at verse one and in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, of whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenes, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom when they set before the apostles, And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did wonders, great wonders, and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the libertarians, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they abhorred men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Just over to chapter 7, please. And cast your eye, please, down to verse 54. Chapter 7 and verse 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open. And the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And we know the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Just bow with me one moment, please, as we ask the Lord for his help. Father, we just come to your word this morning. And Lord, we just stand in great need of thee and we give thee that invitation this morning to come into this gathering lord it will be conscious that thou art here and father we pray that you'll take away every distractions in the moments that we have and lord it will know that god has something to say to every one of us And lord i just come to thee just now for that fresh cleansing for that fresh endowment of power that the words would come forth with a weight and with a power Father, we pray that you'd hide us behind the cross. And above all, that thy Son, the Lord Jesus, would get all of the glory. We ask it in the lovely name of thy, thy Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. For a moment or two this morning, I want to turn your attention to this young man of God, Stephen. We read about him in these uh, two chapters in Acts of the Apostle. Not only was Stephen in the Acts of the Apostles a man of God, but he was a mighty man of God. And we heard from our brother just in his opening remarks about the state of our land. We heard about the moral slide in which is all around us. It seems to be that every day someone wants to outsin someone else. And here was a young man that God used. Now I want you this morning to forget about the person beside you or behind you. I want you to forget about the time. And I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you want God to use you? Let me say that again. Do you want God to use you? Almost all of the verses that I have written down this morning were prayed in the prayer meeting. And many more of them are brother prayed in his opening prayer. That would indicate to me this morning that God has something to say. Could God use you? Could God use me? There's four things that I want to leave with you this morning from the life of this young man, and there's many more, but four will do. Four things that this young man had. Four things that marked his life and indeed not only marked his life but in the verses that we read together we're told that they fill his life. They fill him. And if you and I in this sin-soaked, saturated generation want to be used of God, if we are going to be any use to him, friends, what fills Stephen will have to fill us. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention this morning is that he was full of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 6 and down in verse number 5, the apostles, they set out the criteria for the men that they were after and the very first thing that they wanted was a man full of... Of the Holy Ghost. Verse 3 it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. This young man, Stephen, that was mightily used of God twice in the reading that we read, it says that he was filled and full of the Holy Ghost. And friends, that's one of the greatest and indeed the greatest need. Among us in evangelical fundamental areas is that not only do we have truth, and thank God for truth, but we need a generation and we need a band of men and women who are filled and full continually with the third person of the Trinity. I wonder, is there someone here this morning and you're full of pride? Look at me. Look at how well I can pray. Look at how well my family has turned out. Look at how well I can preach. Look at how well I dress. Well, it says in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6, there's seven things that God hates. And the first thing is a proud look. And whenever you're filled with pride, you'll not be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe there's someone here and you're full of unforgiveness. Someone has said something about you or said something to you and it's in your heart this morning and you maybe even couldn't shake hands with them at the door on the way out. Filled with unforgiveness. Then there's those in there maybe filled with lust. Filled with self-importance. Well, Stephen, this mighty young man of God, was filled with none of these things. But he was filled and filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. One of the great forgotten commandments in the Word of God, Ephesians 5, be ye continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, dear friends, let me say this to you this morning. Unless you and I come before the presence of God alone every day and get on our knees with the open book and turn off the television, get away from the family and ask the Lord to fill us afresh with the Spirit of God, let me say this to you this morning, you'll be of absolutely no use to God. No use. And that's why fear this morning, and it was prayed in the prayer meeting, so many of us here this morning, we're just playing along. We're just going through the monotony. As a world that's dying, as a world that's perishing. So many of us, we're so taken up with our work. So taken up with our money. So taken up with the holidays and things that we'll do. And we're of absolutely no use to God. But here was a young man and he was full of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you again, and I know this has been preached many times from this pulpit. But as you, have you as an individual and I ever came to a place of total surrender to God? Have we ever come to the place where we say, Lord, all that I have, all that I am, everything that I own is yours. Have you ever come to the place and you've, you've put your wife on the altar? You've put your health on the altar, your money on the altar, your time on the altar, your gift on the altar. You see, friends, only whenever we empty ourselves in the presence of God, it's only then that he can fill us with himself. And it's only then that we'll only ever be of any use to him. A man or woman that is not filled with the Spirit of God, mark this now, will have no desire to pray. We'll have no desire to read the word. All that could be saved, but have no desire. We'll have no desire to win the lost. will have no desire to serve. will have no passion. will have no desire for the love for the Lord and for the lost and for his people. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Does any of those tick a box in your life? But here was a young man that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Until we come to this place, friends, where we surrender to Him, we live a life of defeat. I remember whenever I come back to the Lord in 2010, sat down just near enough where Rob and Ruth is there, for a whole year. Sat at the Lord's table for a whole year. Went to the prayer meeting every night for a whole year. But I tell you, I was dead and dry and defeated. Just a circle of confession and repentance and confession and repentance. No passion, no vision, no burden. And I'll tell you, it was New Year's Eve 2011. I'll never forget it. I remember I got out of my bed and I got on my knees, and that's why I spend every New Year's Eve alone with the Lord because of that night. It's my Bethel. And I remember getting down on my knees in the side of my bed at 105 Cool Road and I said, Lord, if this is all Christianity is, I'm going back to drugs in the morning. And I meant it. And I was like looking through the phone and I could get drugs off him and drink off him and drugs off him. And I remember that night I says, oh God, will you do something with this life? The time is short. This life will soon be over. Do something. I never heard a bang or never seen an angel. But all I can tell you after that night, friends, there was a desire for the Word of God that I never had before. There was a hunger for the place of prayer that I never had before. And I need to get it every day. Every day. Now I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to preach this morning as if I'm never going to preach again. And I've been praying that these words will be like arrows and hearts this morning. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Can you look back to a day in your life when you said, Lord, all that I am and have is yours. Could you tell me that you said the same thing this morning? Because as D.L. Moody said that we leak. And we need that fresh endowment with power every moment of the day. Well, here was a young man, and he was filled with the Spirit of God. You'll know the evidence of a life that's filled. The f- fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. And I believe, dear friends, that's why sodomy is on the rampage. That's why our, our drinking dens and drug dens are patronized every Friday and Saturday, Sunday night. It's because so many of us are empty of the presence of God. We're not being filled as we ought to. And we're of no use to your Heavenly Father. Oh, we can do our jobs and work for money. But we're of no use to the Master. No use to the Master. And here was a young man that was filled and endued with the Spirit of God. And God used him. God used him. You see, dear friends, not only can you be filled with the Spirit, but you can quench and grieve the Spirit. Whenever you're sitting on your television and you're watching some imm- immorality, you're quenching the Spirit of God whenever you gossip or backbite against another believer, oh, friends, if you could see the heart of the Spirit of God, it's wounded. If you could see a man or woman that's, that's living an immoral life, if we could see what that does to the Spirit of God, oh, friends, it grieves him. It grieves them. And here was a young man and he had the approval of God upon him. And God used him. And if you're going to be used or I'm going to be used, the first thing is that we'll need to be emptied of self and filled with the Spirit of the living God. And I would say as I go on, if you're not filled this morning, the first thing you do before you get your dinner today is get on your knees And get down before God and say, Lord, I'm not going to rise off my knees until you take my life and fill me and bend me and use me. Not only was this young man filled with the Holy Ghost, but he was full of faith. If you cast your eye to verse 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. Now you would know this morning before you can be full of faith that you'll need to be in the faith. And we're living in a day, dear friends, where we're living not only in a world of deception, but we're living in a church of deception. For there's so many and they think that they're in the faith because they go to a meeting one Sunday Sunday morning. But Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Because the Lord said that there will be those and they'll come to me in that day and they'll say, Lord, open unto us. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out demons and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, depart from me. Ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. I was asking myself the question in the lifeboat this morning. Who in the lifeboat will be there? There's a wee verse in Isaiah that says, Who among us shall dwell in the everlasting burning? And before you can be filled with faith, you'll have to be in the faith. But here is a young man full of the Holy Ghost and he was full of faith. That word faith is confidence and trust in God you remember what Solomon said. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. Well, here was a young man and he had full confidence in God. He could have said like the Apostle Paul, we have no confidence in the flesh, but we have every confidence in God. Spurgeon said, when you cannot trace the hand of God, you can always trust His heart. And friend, doesn't it seem this morning many of us have lost that confidence in God? Isn't there so many of us here this morning and we have lost that faith in Him? We trust Him with our soul for eternity, but we don't trust Him with our circumstances for time. Isn't that why so little of us do anything for God? Because we don't trust Him. Isn't that so? why so little of us step out for Him? We've no confidence that He will supply our need. That we're, 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 we're so afeard of man, but we're not afeard of God. Well, here was a young man and he was full of faith. So many of us this morning maybe are full of fear, but not faith. Full of, full of, full of trouble, but not trust. Full of, full, full of ourselves, but not of God. And so we never do anything. We just stay. We just go through the monotony of church week in, week out. But we don't launch out into a world that's perishing. We don't trust Him. We don't step out like Peter out of the boat. We don't take him at his word and launch out into a world that's dying in and sin. And friend, let me say this to you this morning. You could have absolutely everything else right in your life, but without faith in God. This is what the Word of God says. That without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, whenever David committed immorality with Bathsheba, that was big business. Indeed it was. But only the child died. Whenever the children of Israel committed idolatry in the wilderness, that was big stuff. And 3,000 died. Whenever David was filled with pride and he numbered the people, there were 70,000 men that died because of that one sin. But hold on. There was almost 2 million people died in the wilderness because they didn't believe God. And friend, let me say this to you this morning, and I'm preaching to myself. That's why so many of us spiritually are dying and we're dry because we don't trust him the way that we ought to. God loves to be trusted. God loves to be depended upon. God loves us whenever men and women just take his word and they launch out whatever that word has told you to do, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. I've never said this from a pulpit. and I'm never going to say it again after this morning. I remember whenever God was taking a deal with me two years ago to go out into the work. And I remember there was times whenever me and Charlotte came home from this church on a Sunday night and I, it was worse than being under conviction of sin. And I knew that God was calling me to go out into the work. And friend, I know I'm not the best preacher. I know that. But I knew that God has something for me to do. And I remember one Thursday night, it was in there in a prayer meeting. And I remember coming home from it and God spoke to me again in there. And I said to Charlotte, I said, you go to bed, me and the Lord's going to have it out tonight. And I remember I got down before God that night and I said, Lord, I feel that you're calling me out into the work, but I'm afraid to go. I'm afraid to step out. There's something within me that wants to have control. I want to be in charge of bills to pay. Have a house to run. And I tell you, dear friends, God gave me a word that night and I'm still standing on it this very day. And I'll tell you this. There's never been a bill in our house that hasn't been paid. And before you say anything, Charlotte works three days a week. And whenever I stepped out into the work, I made a rule in our house that she would never pay one bill in our house. Every bill that's paid in our house, the Lord has paid it. I don't have a salary. And I'm not a mighty man of faith, but all I can say is, this the one who has saved us. Thank God, friend, he can keep us. He can keep us. And I don't know where you are this morning along the road of life with your worry and with your anxiety and with all of your fear. But oh, friend, let me say this to you. You can trust him. You can trust him. You see, you'll remember whenever the Lord was asleep in the boat in Mark 4, way out in the storm, and it says, and the, the wind had beat against the, the ship. And the, the disciples came to the Lord, and they woke him and said, Lord, carest thou not, we're perishing. The Lord Jesus, he stood in his majesty and power, and this is what he said, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? No faith. And then he stood and with all of his authority, he calmed the wind and the waves. friend, if you're in a storm this morning, the one who calmed the storm in Galilee, he can still calm the storm in your life. And the wind can blow, and the tempest can rage, and the devil can afflict us. But oh, with Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. No faith. Is that you this morning? And you see that thing that God has called you to do, that little area of work, and He's called you to do it, and you say, Lord, I'm afraid. I can't do it. No faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Remember that. But then you remember there in Matthew's Gospel 16, after the feeding of the 4,000. It was there with the disciples. They were on the boat again, and they were disputing one with another. They had forgotten to take bread with them. And the Lord Jesus, he came to them, and they were reasoning among themselves. And this is what the Lord said, not... How is it that ye have no faith? Oh, he didn't say that this time. But this is what he says. Oh, ye have little faith. Little faith. Just like the man that came and he said, Lord, I believe, but help thy my unbelief. Little faith. Then you remember in Luke's gospel, chapter 7. There was a centurion and a servant that says that he was ready to die. And the centurion said to the Lord, he said, Lord, you don't even need to come into my house. I am a man and have men under authority, just like you do. Just say the word, Lord, and it'll be done. And the Lord Jesus said, oh, he's got so great faith. Oh, may God raise us up here at the hill, the river, and the valley not to be men of no faith or even men of little faith. But oh, that we would be like the centurion of great faith. That we would take the Lord at his word and we would step out. Step out on the promise of God. Do you remember what Paul said in the midst of the storm? I believe God. I believe God. It's a good thing to say. Very quickly. How did Stephen get this faith? How did he get it? Was it sort of just like blind faith when he just stepped out? Did he stir it up within himself? How do you get to be like this man Stephen? Full of faith. Maybe you're in this meeting like me and you say Lord I want that. I want to be like that. How do I get it? Well listen. He was a man that was soaked in the word of God. You read chapter 7 whenever you go home. 50 verses of the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He was a man that knew the book. And whenever Stephen got a promise, he stepped out on it. I'm sure he read many times at numbers, numbers 23. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said and shall he not do it? Hath he not spoken? And shall he not make it good? There's a word for our brother Bertie this morning. All the promises here for the boat. God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he the son of man that he should repent. What he has said, that and nothing less shall he do. Because he's a covenant-keeping God. You see, Stephen was a man that went out in the Word, and here's a few promises for you to go down into this week with. You know very well, Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a promise. You can reverse that verse back to front, and this is what it will say. Thee forsake, nor thee leave. Never will I. Oh, I can hear somebody going down into the hospital ward during the week. Lord, are you with me today? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I can see someone going down and they're, they're going into the workplace when the, the mates are there and they'll swear and they'll laugh and they'll make fun of you and they'll say, Lord, are you with me today? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the that's a good promise, isn't it? What about the promise in Matthew 7? 7, 7 ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For he that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh the door shall be opened. It's a good promise. And you can step out on that promise. Here's another lovely promise. Hallelujah. It's a good promise. And here was this young man, Stephen, we were going to sing it, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. How? Standing on the promises of God. He was a man full of the Holy Ghost. He was a man full of faith. Ah, Give me a moment and I'll tell you something else that he was full of. He was full of wisdom. It says in verse 5 that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. And in verse 10 it says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake." Now just give me your attention this morning. God is speaking to you. You look back over your life this morning as you sit here in this assembly. And I am sure that you would have to say, like this preacher before you, the greatest and one of the greatest lacks in all of our life is wisdom. Wisdom in the things that we've said. Wisdom in the advice that we've given. Wisdom in the places where we've went. Well, here was a young man, and not only was he filled with the Spirit of God and filled with faith, but he was filled with wisdom. That's what Solomon cried for whenever he was ruling the people of Israel. Lord, don't give me money. Don't even extend my life, but Lord, whatever you do, give me wisdom. You see, parents, you'll need wisdom in this day and age. You'll need wisdom to know how to rear your children. Elders and deacons of this assembly will need wisdom. Not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God that cometh from above. You'll need wisdom to walk with God. Paul said in Colossians, he said, walk in wisdom towards them that are without. you need wisdom to go into the workplace tomorrow. You'll need wisdom to know how to deal with the friends and the family. And whenever the devil comes, friends, we need wisdom. You'll remember Saul took his javelin and he he wanted to pin this young man of David to the wall. And it says there in 1 Samuel that David behaved himself wisely. Whenever the devil was after him, he knew how to behave himself. And then, then Saul, he got the javelin again and he tried to pin David again. And this is what it says in verse 15. And David behaved himself very wisely. But then the third time, whenever Saul got the javelin and tried to pin David to the wall, this is what it says. And David behaved himself more wisely. You see, friend, this morning in the lifeboat, the devil will want to make mincemeat of you during the week. Indeed, he'll try everything to do. It. He'll get you to lose your temper with your family. He'll get you to say something to somebody at work and you'll lose your testimony. And you and I, we need wisdom. Wisdom from above. Wisdom to walk with God. Wisdom to know the will of God. I'll tell you something else. You'll need wisdom to win souls to God. For it says, he that winneth souls is wise. Or he that winneth souls must first be wise. And it's whenever we're like that that God can use us. A young man full of the Holy Ghost. A young man full of faith. A young man full of wisdom. Let me close by saying this. He was a young man and he was full of power. In verse 8 it says in Stephen, full of faith and power. Here was a young man and he knew what it was. Oh, let me say it as I close. He knew what it was to live a victorious Christian life. He knew what it was to rise above sin. He knew what it was to enjoy the Lord. He knew what it was to enjoy the Word and the place of prayer. He was enjoying a life of victory and power. And it says whenever they looked upon Stephen in verse 15 that they saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And whenever he shared this message with them, it says that they were cut to the very heart. Because there was a weight. There was a depth to this young man. That's not in many of us here this morning. Is it any but wonder he was the first martyr? Is it any but wonder God could use him? I'm going to ask one question, then we're going to bow in a moment of prayer. Could God use you this morning? Could God use you? Could God use me? Well, before he does, we'll need to be men and women filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with faith. Filled with wisdom. And filled with power. You tell me that the of sin in our land wouldn't be pushed back if we got a band of men and women like that? Oh, friends, indeed it would. And I would say this morning, Lord, give us such people. Filled with faith, filled with power, filled with wisdom, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Let us pray. Just tell yourself just for a moment now before the Lord, and you ask yourself the question, "Are you usable this morning? Are you usable? Because friends, this life will soon be over. Some day we'll all die if the Lord doesn't come and this little span of life will be over. And we should want to be people that are of use to God. We ought to be people that He can use. Father, we just bow before thee at the close of a meeting. Lord, we just cry that you'd put us in that place where as individuals that you could use us. In this nation that is soaked in sin. We pray, Lord, even out of this little meeting this morning that you would raise up young men and young women, mothers and fathers, grannies and grandas, uncles and aunts, men and women that will be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. Lord, we cry this morning that thou will come and use us. Oh, God, put us in that place where you can use us. Soon our little life will be over. And the epitaph will be written. But oh, God, we cry. Use us for thy glory. We ask it in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.